Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. So actually, it's been a long time since I've preached on giving. I'll be honest with you, preparing this preach this week on giving has got me a little bit excited again for giving. Now, I remember Elizabeth and I, my wife and I, we, we used to get quite excited about giving. I don't know if you get this, where you're kind of thinking, oh, wait, we could give to this thing, or we could give to that thing, or imagine the good we could do if we give to this, or we could sponsor this child or do that. And, we'd, and especially when it used to come to give bigs, particularly for the poor, Elizabeth and I, we used to egg each other on a bit. You know, I'd be like, oh, I think we should give 200. She'd be like, 200 quid, stingy, give more than that. All right, okay. And then we'd egg each other on. We'd kind of up each other. It was kind of fun to kind of do it. There was an, an excitement in, in our giving. And I think for me, just, just kind of engaging with this preach this week has reawoken some of that excitement. Now, before three and a half to four years ago, we used to preach on giving reasonably regularly at church. So I have preached on giving quite a bit. And I noticed something that often happens when I preach on giving, right? What often happens is people nod along, smile, laugh at the jokes, but nothing changes. And basically what happens is they basically put a big wall up around their heart. And it's a little bit like, hey, Andy, that's a nice preach, but you think you're going to get me to give more? No chance. You have got another thing coming. There's that kind of a defensiveness, polite British defensiveness, but it's like, uh, 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 I've listened to the preach. All right, it's nice, but nothing's changing. And I think there's a little bit of, I don't know what it is. There's, a, there's something of us that gets a bit uncomfortable when we start talking about giving money. Especially if you think, look, I don't have enough, and here's this dude up the front telling me to give what I don't have enough of to give a bit more of that away. It's like, I don't want to hear this. I think also, um, to a certain degree, all of us, I think, now, to a certain degree, hear what I'm saying, all of us, to a certain degree, measure how well we're doing in life on our finances. Not completely, but to a certain degree. So, you know, if, we, if we're doing, if we've got, good amount of money, we think, okay, I'm doing all right in life. If we don't have much, we're like, I'm struggling in life. Again, and then you get this person up the front saying, right, I've got to give stuff away. Hey, what are you trying to say to me here? What, are you trying to rob me of my joy or what's going on? And then I think another reason why sometimes we can get defensive when it comes to talking about giving and money is I think sometimes there is like a spiritual aspect when it comes to money. Sometimes our money, I mean, you think we've got a hold of it. Sometimes I think our money and our possessions can have a bit of a hold on us. You know, it's almost like, ah, it's mine. I've worked hard for it. Who are you to tell me to give it away? I'm not. There's, there's something of, I don't want to go too far into this, but I think there could be a spiritual aspect there. And I think all of these things can often make us a little bit defensive. So all I want to say this morning is I want us to just be open, be receptive. Hopefully I'm not going to be too crazy or weird or anything like that. And if I am, tell me afterwards. I'm very open to that. Um, that's absolutely fine. But I just as we start, I want to just pray, and then we're going we're gonna to kick off. Yeah, Holy Spirit, would you move amongst us this morning, I pray. 
we welcome you here. Would you move amongst us this morning as we listen to your word? Amen. Amen. So I'm just going to share six reasons that giving is good, and then I'm done. Then Liam and the band will be back up to lead us in worship, okay? Reason one, giving is good because it blesses others. That's probably not news to anyone. The Apostle Paul was so blessed by the the church in Philippi, by how much they supported him and the money and the finance and the help that they gave him while he was in prison, he wrote them this really emotional, amazing thank you letter, and it's called Philippians. It even made its way into the Bible. It's basically a thank you letter, all right? And when you look at the third verse of Philippians chapter one, what does it say? Paul says, every time I think of you Philippians, I give thanks to my God. Paul was just massively blessed by what they had given. Recently, we had our Give Big, which amazingly, the awesome people of CCM gave 70 grand to Give Big, which was amazing. And one of the things we are using some of that money for is to help our partner, partner church in Uganda. And they have a hospital. It's called the Kairos Hospital. We've got a picture of it up here. And they requested, a few months ago, they requested, look, there's a bunch of medical equipment that we don't have or is broken or isn't working properly. And could you get that stuff for us? So there's a guy over in our Gorton site. He's a consultant in infectious diseases. He actually has booked a ticket. He left yesterday and has traveled to Uganda, to this hospital. And basically, he took the list of things that they wanted, bought it all with the Give Big Money, and has brought it there to the hospital. Now, for some of you, this will make no difference to you whatsoever. But for some of you who are medical, you may get some of this. So he brought two infrared thermometers, three pulse oximeters, three pinard stethoscopes. It's kind of, you know, heartbeat, measuring your heartbeat, um, an electronic Dynamap on wheels, which I think is a blood pressure machine, the one that you see in hospitals, you wheel around, but it's an electronic one. And then two V-scans, which are portable ultrasound machines. Now, the cost of all that stuff, some of them are quite small, but the V-scans are quite expensive, nine and a half grand for all that stuff. But all that stuff has gone to that hospital, and it has ma- is going to massively bless a lot of people. You imagine there's going to be pregnant women who will see a picture of their baby inside their womb who could not see that before. There's going to pe- be people who are going to have an accurate reading of their blood pressure who didn't have that before. So giving blesses others. It's a great reason why it's good. Just before Christmas, there was a a lady got in contact with us, a Ukrainian refugee. She's here with her two kids. And um, she contacted and said, look, I'd love, she was contacted us through the food bank and said, I'd love someone to provide some toys for my kids at Christmas. Uh, so Elizabeth and I, we got a bit of a whip round in our community group and we provided this stuff, some toys. It's kind of the stuff they asked for and we brought it to them and you never guess, they were very blessed by what we provided for them. Giving is good because it blesses others. I'm not going to say more on that because I think I'm preaching to the converted here. I think we probably all know giving is good because it blesses others. So secondly, giving is good because it makes us more like Jesus. Most generous person who ever lived, Jesus. I mean, he gave his life for us. He gave everything for us. And because of that, we have been saved through what he did by dying on the cross. So every time you give, whether it's time, whether it's money, anything, you become more like Jesus. Proverbs 21 verse 26 says this, The greedy always want more, 
but the godly love to give. Basically, the more godly you become, the more you will love to give, I think. And it also works in reverse. The more you love to give, the more godly you will become. The two are linked. You know, godliness and generosity, godliness and giving are very linked. Psalm 37 verse 21 says this, the godly are generous givers. I think that means you just, you simply can't become godly or Christ-like without being generous. I heard a story recently about a guy called uh, Bob. Um, I've shared this story before, so you may have heard it, but it's a true story. And Bob took his young son, he was two or three years old, uh, in his car seat, back of his car, took him to McDonald's and bought him some fries from McDonald's in the drive-thru. Gets the fries from the drive-thru, hands them in the back, gives them to his son. Son's eating his fries. Then Bob reaches round and takes one of his son's fries, (laughs) eats the fry. Big look of anger comes across his son. Dad, they're my fries. You can't have one. Immediately, Bob said, I had three thoughts. First thought, my child has forgotten that I am the source of all fries, okay? (laughs) All fries come through me and my wallet. He's forgotten that, okay? Also, thought two, my child has forgotten that I'm in control. I could take all his fries away instantly, or I could buy him a truckload of fries if he wanted. I mean, I've got the money for that, but he's forgotten that. Third thing my child has forgotten, I didn't need his fries. I could buy my own. I just wanted him to learn unselfishness. I just wanted him to learn how to share. And that's the three reasons God wants us to learn generosity, learn to give. He doesn't need our money. It all belongs to him anyway. I mean, he's the source of all fries, if you want to put it that way. Everything you have in your life, fries and everything else, it all belongs to him. It's all from him. And if it wasn't for him, you'd have absolutely nothing. And he could take it all away instantly, or he could give you 10 times as much instantly. He's in complete control. He just wants us to learn how to be unselfish. Why? Because he is generous, and he wants us to learn to be generous too. And when we do... We become more like who? Jesus. We become more like Jesus. So giving is good because it makes us more like Jesus. Number three, giving is good because it's the cure for materialism. Giving is good because it's the cure for materialism. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 18 to 19. Doesn't beat around the bush here, okay? This is a straight up verse. But these people set an ambush for themselves. They are trying to get themselves killed. You know what I mean? This is the fate of all who are greedy for money. It robs them of life. No nuance there at all, is there? But think about it. Materialism, if you think about what it is, it's all about getting more stuff because we believe it's going to make us feel better. And the advertising industry is based on selling the idea that if you get this thing, this gadget, these clothes, this car, you're going to feel better. Um, You're going to feel more fulfilled. Others will be impressed with you or they're going to love you more. They're going to look at you and think you're more successful or or you're going to feel more secure or you're going to feel less anxious if you have this thing. That's what it's based on, selling that. And the result is that the average person today has way more stuff than the average person had 40 years ago. The average person today has way more stuff than the average person 80 years ago. The average person today has way more stuff than the average person ever in history. 
And you know, what's you know what the result of all that is? Self-storage units. <laughs> like, these weren't a viable business option 50 years ago. But somebody realized, you know, like 20 odd, 20, 30 odd years ago, it was like, oh, yeah, people have loads of stuff and they don't know what to do with it. I'm going to make a place where they can store it and not see it and I'll charge them money. And they're massive and they're growing up everywhere. I mean, imagine, I've got so much stuff, I'm going to put it in a room and pay someone else to look after it. I mean, it's like, what? But that's what's happened. That's, that's the result of materialism. And the problem with materialism is we never have enough, you know? We always want more. You get that thing that you think will fulfill you, and then it's all right for a bit, and then it doesn't. And then you see an advert for the newest iPhone, and you're like, oh, that's what I need. And you get that, and it's all right, but it's pretty much the same as the last one. So you're like, right. And it just keeps going on, and it never ends. And it robs us of joy because it never allows us to be content. Advertising never lets you be content. You know, you don't see that advert. You're all right. You don't need anything. You're fine. I mean, imagine seeing that on a billboard driving into Manchester. It just doesn't happen, does it? So who was it mentioned? Monday was what, what was special about Monday just gone? Blue Monday, the saddest day of the year where everybody's supposed to be depressed. You know, if you're happy, it's a bit like, why are you happy? It's Blue Monday. It's like, you know, everyone's dark and it's, you know, and Elizabeth was chatting to me, my wife, she was saying, you know, it's so, she says, I find it like whenever it's dark and it's cold outside and I've had the kids all day and I'm feeling a bit meh, that thought just enters my mind. Oh, you know what? I could just buy something and it would make me feel a bit better. You know, like we've got primes next, I'll be here tomorrow. Like, like I could get like a nice blanket or a new hot water bottle or I don't know, book a holiday or something like that to make myself feel better. Just, and the thought pops into your head. I mean, we've got a name for it, don't we? Retail therapy. That's what it is. That's what materialism kind of does to our minds. And I want to say that, and I'm going to, this is a strong line I'm going to say here, but I think I'll stand by this. The only antidote, and I put only in there, the only antidote to materialism is giving. I think that's the only antidote. Every time you give, you break the grip of materialism in your life. Fourth reason, giving is good because it strengthens our faith. Giving is good because it strengthens our faith. So every time you give, it strengthens your faith because it shows that you're trusting God. It shows you believe that he can take care of you if you obey him and give. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 13 says this. Your very giving proves the reality of your faith. So faith is like a muscle. When we use it, it grows and it strengthens. And when we give, we trust God and we give, that strengthens our faith. Philemon chapter 1, verse 6 says this. You are generous because of your faith. You see, holding back from giving, ultimately, deep down, is caused by unbelief and fear. Now, when we don't believe if I give this away, God will look after me, we hold back. But we are generous because of our faith. Now, I know for Elizabeth and I, there have been times in our lives where, where this has happened to us, where I've, you know, we've been, we've been short on money. It's, it's been a struggle. And I thought, oh, should we stop tithing to church? Should we stop our giving to church? And we've thought about it. We've prayed about it. I, I remember one time saying, no, no, we're going to have faith and we're going to keep giving. And every time we've had those times, God has honored that. Honestly, I'm just sharing from our experience. We'll make that decision. And then like three days later, we get this random 
amount of money, maybe from some of you, I don't know, but just comes through the letterbox and it's for the exact amount that we need. And you're like, whoa, how did that happen? And you know, when those things happen, when you're like, right, we're trusting you with this, and then he comes through and this thing comes through the door and you're like, whoa, massive strength to our faith, isn't it? You're like, whoa, massively strengthens our faith. You know, I think, and I'm speaking to myself as much as anyone here, we're very good at coming up with reasons why we can't afford to give. I'm very, very good at that. And I was just thinking, you know, do you think, do you think God will ever say, I wish you hadn't been so generous because now I can't look after you? Like, do you think God's ever going to say that? I was like, ah, I just don't think so. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. See, God basically says, look, test me in this. It's almost like he's saying, I dare you, test me in this. And this, by the way here, is the only place in the Bible where God says you can test him. He says, test me by tithing and see if I don't bless you more. And when we do, it grows our faith. And I've seen that with, uh, with us, with this in our, in our lives. So giving is good because it strengthens our faith. Number five, giving is good because it blesses us back. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, Jesus says in Acts 20, verse 35, it is more blessed to give than receive. So at Christmas time there, I got more joy, more happiness from watching people open the presents I got for them than I got from opening my presents. Now, part of that is, the presence Elizabeth got me, well, she got me uh, uh, a second-hand fleece. She got me a book from the library on a sippy cup, you know. So part of it is that, you know. She, 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 didn't, she lives didn't break the bank for my Christmas presents, although I'm not having a go at her about that. Right? But if anyone feels like texting her after this and just say, hey, look, Elizabeth, if you need help with Christmas presents next year for Andy, happy to help here. But genuinely, I think even if the presents were better, I think it would still be the same. I enjoyed seeing people open their presents. I'm sure you've got the same thing. It's, it's that nice thing, like, oh, you've got some good present. They've opened it. They're like, oh, this is great. It's better to give than receive. Yeah, so giving blesses us back. Proverbs 11:25 says, A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Another way that giving blesses us back is, is it helps us make a positive impact in the world. And we all want that, right? You know, you, you get to the end of your life, you want to see, okay, I've done something good. I've left the world in a better place than when, than when I entered it. I was chatting to a, a guy from one of our other sites, um, really smart guy, um, in a good job, earning good money. And he, was just, he just had a bit of an open moment where he was like, yeah, I just... I'm just not sure how, how much good I'm doing in the world. And, and that's what he wants. He wants to see an impact in the world. You see, the impact you have in the world comes not from what you get in life, but from what you give away in life. Your impact comes from giving. It comes from what you give. Proverbs 11:24. it's in the message paraphrase of the Bible, says this, but I just like the way it puts it. The world of the generous gets larger and larger, the world of the stingy will get smaller and smaller. Psalm 112 verse 9 says this, those who give generously to those in need will never be forgotten. They will have influence and honor. And a great example of, of giving, having a positive impact is uh, the American pastor Rick Warren. 
I may have shared this before. If you've heard it, forgive me if not. But basically what Rick Warren says, the more he gave away, the more impact he had in the world through what he gave to. And Rick Warren says this, 40 years ago, he got, when he got married, him and his wife, they started tithing their income, 10%. At the end of their first year of marriage, they upped it to 11%. At the second year, 12%. Third year, raised it to 15%. And they kept adding each year, even in tough times, raising the giving from 20% to 30%. And now for the last 10 years, Rick Warren and his wife Kay have given away 91% of their income and live on 9%. Now, just to caveat this, Rick Warren has written the best-selling Christian book in history, Okay, and he is a mega church pastor, so um, he's probably earning quite a bit, all right? So we're not, you know, we're not saying he's minimum wage here doing this, so let's just throw that out there before you start getting worried. There's a lot coming into his bank balance to enable him to do that, all right? But it's interesting, he says, you know, he says, you know what, I, he says, you know what I've learned from doing this? While my giving went up, so did my impact, the positive impact I had in the world, and also his influence as well. He says this, a few years ago, um, he was at the House of Representatives. And when you're an American you know, megachurch pastor, you, know, you get invited to the Senate and all that kind of stuff. That's the kind of stuff that happens. But he's at the House of Representatives in Washington, D.C. And obviously, you may know that Rick Warren wrote The Purpose Driven Life, which um, is the best-selling Christian book in history after the Bible. It's also... Now, I, mean, I need to check my facts on that, but I'm pretty sure it's the best-selling non-fiction book in American history. We're talking 40, 30, 40 million copies sold... And um, this senator um, asks Rick Warren, he says, why do you think God chose you to write the best-selling Christian book in history? And he says, oh, I know why. And the senator's like, why? He says, well, because God knew he could trust me with the money. The senator's like, oh, really? He says, yeah, he knew he wouldn't, he knew, God knew I wouldn't spend the money on myself. He knew I wouldn't go buy a bigger house or a bigger car, but he says, he knew I'd use the money to help other people. He says, he knew I'd use the money to make an impact in the world. God knew I'd do that. And people, when Rick Warren says, when he tells this story, people often come to him and say, oh yeah, Rick, of course. Well, you know, if God used me to write a best-selling book, of course, I'd give away loads of money. And he says, whenever people say that to him, he says, he will stop some in the track. He says, no, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. I guarantee you wouldn't. Why? Because you're not being generous right now. And that's, you know, shot to the heart. But basically what he's saying is, when you, if you don't learn generosity when you're very little, you think, oh, yeah, I'll be generous when I'm rich. No, you won't. You've got to learn the attitude and the practice when you don't have much so that it carries on as to when you have a lot. Rick Warren was generous long before he was rich. And I don't know, that story, every time I tell that, it always challenges me to think, how much do I give? I've got a lot less than Rick Warren, but how much do I give? How much could I give? And how might that increase the impact I have on the world. Always find that story very challenging. So giving blesses us back because it's great to see other people open our gifts and what we give. It blesses us back because it increases the impact we have on the world, which is great to see. But it also blesses us back so that we can bless others, um, which, now let me explain. So when Paul talks to the Corinthians in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he, he basically says something. He says that if you give, give to God's work, God will give more back to you so that you can give more, all right? Now, it's this interesting thing because, you know, we've all heard the kind of prosperity gospel teaching of like, 
If you give some money to God, he's going to give you 20 times back so that you can buy a massive car and house and uh, like, you know, a golden <laughs> microphone and a Learjet and all that kind of stuff. And it's always in an American accent. It's a bit like, oh gosh, well, if that was true, then why wasn't Paul living in a mansion, the Apostle Paul? Like, why didn't Jesus live in a pot? You know, anyway, don't get onto that. So it, it's, not, it's not true teaching, but it's, it's only missing, a, it, it, it's a small part that's missing. So when we give, God does give back to us, but it's not so we can hoard it for ourselves. He gives back to us so we can give more. That's what he says. And when you read 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 11, it says, you will be enriched. When you give, you will be enriched so that you can give even more generously. You will be enriched so that you can hoard it and spend it all on yourself. no. That's the prosperity gospel. No, that's not what it is. No, it says you will be enriched so that you can give even more generously. See, when you give, God gives back so you can give even more away. Now, I'll be honest with you. I have seen this happen numerous times in my life. I mean, one example, a couple of years ago, Elizabeth and I, a little bit worried about money with a few bills to pay. And we're like, gosh, I'm not sure if we have the money to pay this. And we just thought, you know what? Let's, let's, Test our faith. Let's ask God. So we said, God, would you provide for us to pay for these bills? Few days later, and I know God can work through the tax man. A few days later, we get this, this thing that says we're getting this big lump of money and tax back. I'm like, yes, God even works through tax. Awesome. It was the exact amount of money that we needed. Two weeks after that was the next give big at church. And we're like, Elizabeth, I wonder if we just give this money to give big, step of faith. Let's do it. Come on. This is what we're talking about, excitement and giving. So we did. So we give the amount of money to give big. Um, uh, and we, we did that, which was, I mean, we weren't planning to give that much, but we did. And um, so we did that. So we gave that money to give big. Um, and then, you know, you might be sitting here thinking, okay, hold on. So you've prayed to God to ask you to help pay for your bills. He's given you the money, but you haven't had your bills. You've given it away. Ah, oh, stupid. What are you doing? You idiot. And I was like, well, yeah. But we did that. And you might be thinking, okay, but then a few days after we actually gave the money to give big, two separate people gave us randomly money, which added up to the exact amount of money that we'd been given through the tax and had given to give big. And guess what we did with some of that money? A little bit of that money, we actually used it to increase the amount we were giving to give big. So I've seen this happen many times in my life. And you can imagine what that did to us. Did that increase our faith? Did that be like, yes, God is real. Of course it did, right? Whoa, that is cool. That was great. God gives to us, then we give it away, give it to others, and then God gives us more so we can give away. Now, I'm not saying that's a rule, always happens every single time. I'm, I'm going to caveat that, but we've seen it numerous times in our lives. And, you know, I'm saying, hey, you know what? Try it. Have a go. <laughs> See what happens. So giving is good because it, blesses us back, uh, watching others receive. It helps us make an impact and it gives us that rewarding feeling and it allows us to bless others more. So final point, everyone. Number six, giving is good because it will be rewarded in heaven. Giving is good because it will be rewarded in heaven. The Bible says this in 1 Timothy 6, 18 to 19. It says, use your money to do good, always being ready to share with others whatever God has given to them. By doing this, they will be storing up real treasure for themselves in heaven. It's the only safe investment for eternity. Now, we all know you can't take anything with you out of this life, you know? You can't take a little bag filled with cash out, you know? 
It just doesn't happen. We know that. I mean, I love Alexander the Great, you know, the famous conqueror. He really, he really had this nailed. Apparently, when Alexander the Great was instructing people on how he wanted to be buried, he told them that he wanted one of his arms, now, apparently this is true, he wanted one of his arms to hang naked out of the coffin to show everyone that naked he entered the world and naked he was going to leave it. No matter how much money and things he'd accumulated, and he had accumulated loads, richest guy in the world back then, but naked he entered and naked he was leaving. He came with nothing, he was leaving with nothing. Not sure if I'm going to, you know, do this, you know, have that instruction for my... Anyway, but he got it, you know? You can't take it with you. But what this is saying, in a, in a sense, you can send it on ahead. Jesus says in the Bible, store up treasure in heaven. Now, what is treasure in heaven? Well, I'm not 100% sure. Um, but from what Jesus says, it sounds pretty awesome. I mean, heavenly treasure. It's got a nice ring to it, doesn't it? it like, yeah, that sounds good. I'll have some of that. Jesus says it's good. And Jesus says no one's going to be able to steal it. And it's not going to rust. And it's not going to fade away. So that'll do me, you know. I think it's a little bit like when Elizabeth is, is going to get a Christmas present from me. And she, she hasn't opened it. She doesn't know what it is. Like, she doesn't know what it is, but she knows it's going to be awesome. I think that's kind of what heavenly treasure is like. Lord, I don't 100% know what it is, but I know because it's from you. Elizabeth knows that from me. It's going to be a great present. I know it's going to be awesome. That's fine. I'll trust you on that. That's kind of what heavenly treasure is like. Now, how do you get heavenly treasure? I ain't going into this loads. I mean, you've obviously got to trust in Jesus, become a Christian to make sure you're going to heaven to get the treasure. It's kind of a no-brainer. Second thing, I mean, I think we build up heavenly treasure by living life God's way. And, you know, I'm not going to go to a list of how to live life God's way. Just read the Sermon on the Mount. You know, when we live like that, that heart attitude of obedience to God, we build up treasure in heaven. But one of the ways I think we can get treasure in heaven um, is this thing that Rick Warren again suggested. He says, one way to store up treasure in heaven is investing in getting people there. You know, so actually give some money to organizations that share the gospel and people will get to heaven because of the money you've given. It's like, you know, you'll get to heaven. There'll be some people there. will be like, oh, gosh, you give some money and someone bought a Bible and gave it to me and I got saved and I'm here because of you. I mean, that will be, that will be nice, won't it? Whether that's what it's talking about, but that will be nice. That will be great. That's one way, I think, of getting treasure in heaven. But giving is good because it will be rewarded in heaven. We, we know that. Now, I'm almost finished here. I hope the walls haven't gone up. I hope we've been able to, you know, receive this. Um, and I, I think for us, I, I just, I would love us to at least think about what we change or what we do differently, whether it's even just how we think about giving, what we're giving to, should we give more, should we change, should we, I, I'd love us to do something off the back of this. It's a doing something sermon. And think about what that might be. I think you know, one of the best things we can give to is the local church. Um, you know, it's the local mission in your community. Um, and, and actually for CCM, someone once, someone once said recently, it was like, do you have a big rich investor, you know, putting all the money into your church? And we're like, no. Don't, don't you have some like Americans who are supporting it? It's like, no. 
Um, basically, all the money that we need to keep CCM going comes from all of the people in CCM. There's no, there's no cheating way that we do it. There's no kind of rich billionaire in America who's decided to like, oh, I'll give you the money. It's not, it's everyone here. And everyone, people are very generous. It's absolutely great. But I think in terms of challenge, I mean, this might be something that might be helpful. Um, at church, we have kind of five different groups when it comes to giving. We have people in church who have never given financially to church ever. Then we also have people who've maybe never given, but they've maybe given one gift. They're like what's called a first-time giver. They've given a gift. They've given something to church. Then what we have is we have regular givers. These are people who regularly, every month, give an amount of money to church, to support church. Then we have what's called regular tithers. These are people who regularly tithe. They figure out what's 10% of my income, and they give that every month to church. And then what you have is you've got some people who are called extravagant givers. Just stage of life where they're at, they've decided they're going to give more than 10% to church every month. And my simple challenge for us today is, is just for you to think, like, where am I at on this? Where am I at on this? I mean, for us, Elizabeth and I, we're probably in this sort of regular tither. We give 10% to church each month. And we also give about 5% to a few other things. We support three compassion kids. We support um, an organization that helps the persecuted church as well. That's, that's the things that we, that we give to. But I just want to encourage all of us to think about where we're at and think about maybe taking a step up to the next level. Is that something you could do to think about, to mull over? That's a little bit of a challenge as well. Obviously, at CCM, we would love to see some new things happen. We want to see some new sites planted. There's a potential of a site in Denton, maybe back into the city center, northern quarter. There's a few different places, things that could possibly happen. Also, we saw two people get saved at CCM this month. We're going to have a baptism service at the start of February where those guys are going to get, saved, they're going to get baptized and a few others. We're starting to see some real fruit, and I know you've seen some of that here. So it's an exciting time for us at CCM. So yeah, I want to encourage giving, but the reason I'm encouraging giving genuinely is not because I, I want to fund CCM initiatives. That's important and that is good. But the main reason I want us to grow in the area of giving is the stuff we've just talked about. Yeah, because it blesses others. It makes us more like Jesus. It's an act of worship. It cures materialism. It strengthens our faith. It blesses us back in loads of different ways and it brings eternal rewards in heaven. And the ultimate example of giving we have is who? Jesus, yes, our Savior Jesus Christ who gave it all for us at the cross so that our sins could be forgiven and so we could go to be with him in a place where his love and his generosity and his care and his presence knows no end. It's all about him. And ultimately, that's the motivation for all this. It's Jesus. It's a relationship to him. It's knowing just how much we've been given. When you're like, oh, I've been given so much. It just opens your heart to be generous as well.